Man, all right. Hey, let's get into the Word of God this morning. I'm, I'm pretty pumped to preach this morning on this great Sunday. Why don't you join me in prayer, man? Um, pray for me as I pray for you, and let's believe God to speak to us this morning and really do something significant in our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, I, I thank you for this opportunity to minister in your house today. God, it's a privilege to meet together and focus on you. And God, I pray that, Lord, my, my words would only serve your purposes, God. And I thank you today that, Lord, our hearts would be ready to receive the wonderful word of God. And Lord, let it come alive to our hearts this morning. Father, we pray, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, let's talk this morning around the Word of God. I want to talk about the church, and I've got such such a passion around the church of God because, like I said, when I first came to know God, it was it was fascinating what I fell in love with first. Because for me, and I want to I want to be clear here. At first, I fell in love with the house of God, and then I became to then I came to know God of the house. See, for for me. I first, as a young man, a 12-year-old or so, came in and I, I saw this group of people, passionate, on, on mission, on a cause, caring for people, loving people, going out and, and, and living on purpose. And I thought, I want that. I, I want that. And it's incredible how purpose is found in the house of God. Because the house of God is an alive organism. It's not a dead organization. And it's, it's alive. In fact, that Jacob, um, he, he had this incredible experience of God. And in, in Genesis chapter 28, he, he saw he, what he described was like a ladder set up on earth going to heaven. So the feet of this ladder on earth, the, the top touching heaven and God at the top and angels coming up and down. At the end of this experience, he says, this is none other than the house of God. And so no way is this a dead organization of people gathering together. This is none other than the house of God. And as a young man, my heart was captivated by by the church. And I want to explain that word this morning, the church, because all along my journey, the church has been significant to me. Because God said, the the, the word of God is is so... um, so heavily saturated with value on the church. Well, as you go through from cover to cover, God loves the church. He he fights for the church. He he enables the church. He leads the church with miracles and signs and wonders because he values the church. I want to talk about that this morning. Let me remind you that the church is not just a a, a social gathering or a place that we meet on a Sunday. The the church is is filled with unique people, radically changed people, propelled to love others even at great cost to themselves. That's the church. It's made up of no ordinary people, but radically, uniquely changed people. That's what you are. You're not just an improved version of what you were. The Bible says you're a new creation. The old has gone. God has made a cut of your old self. And you're sitting here today, a new person. You're not just a little better than what you were before you met Christ. You're a new person. 
made in the image of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that you are the righteousness of God. A new substance even. A substance that's a part of God. The righteousness of God. And so the church is made up of new people. Radically changed. Entirely transformed people who love others at great cost to themselves. In fact, as I read the Bible, as I look over history, those the church has have, at times lost their lives to share this good news to others. It's cost them even their life. But that's what that's the caliber of people the church is made up of. It's no ordinary people. And that as a young man inspired me so much. Because nobody taught me that. The Spirit of God showed me the value of the house. And friend, from, from right from the start, Phil shared some of the vision that God dropped into my spirit. When I first came to know Him, He said the church is of great value. And then many need to come to know God in the, in the environment of the church. Need to grow in God through the church. Need to be loved by God through the church. And God showed me that at a young age. And now, friend, I, I, I do whatever I can to share the gospel with as many people as possible. And then I want to put them in a church. But I don't want to put them in a meeting. Because the church is not a meeting. We'll talk about you jumping ahead of me. We'll get there, right? The church is not a meeting. So somebody with me this morning, church. Hallelujah. You see, the church is unique because Jesus said himself that he'll build it. It's out of my control. It's out of your control. We're co-laborers with Christ. He's the master builder. He's the cornerstone. He's the builder. We're co-laborers with him. He calls us alongside. He says, Byron, come. He says, Phil, Jim, Ivana, come. Build with me. Walk with me. Learn with me. Learn the grace that comes with this church. Co-laborers with him. Amen. So I'm not building my church or, or Pastor Ian's church or, or somebody's meeting place. We're building with Christ, the master builder. Amen. We, we plant some other dudes, water it, but God makes it grow. It's the church. Beautiful church. You see, what I love about the church is that God doesn't ask, because He's building it, He's committed to building it. He doesn't ask me to, I would love, this is my vision, I would love people to fall in love with God. That's what I want. This last weekend I was in um, Wellington and in Lower Hutt I was preaching to a, a, a church congregation where, where a great number of people came to know Jesus Christ, came to faith and just fell in love, clearly tears and got to minister over people at the altar call. But one of the testimonies I was able to hear before I, I left was a guy came to me and said, oh, we actually passed each other and we started talking. He said, actually, one of the people who responded, I've been praying for him. Our family's been leaving for him for 20 years. And today he stood, and, and I remember the guy standing on, on the altar like this, crying, sobbing. 
I remember prophesying over me that God's going to use your life. It's been a journey for you, but God's going to use your life to reach thousands of others. And then when this guy tells me that 20 years his family had been believing and praying, and for the last six weeks they intensified to try to get him to church, but this week he, he, he gave up, he surrendered, and came to church and made a response. And, and friend, I just the vision of God in my heart exploded with joy inside of me because my heart and our heart, I know this church, our heart is for people to fall in love with the God who created them. But you see, what I love about it is Jesus actually has taken responsibility for that. He says to me, Byron, I, I will build my church. I will keep it moving. I will keep it prevailing. I will keep it increasing. I'll keep favor and grace on it. And I say, okay, God, I'll come and be a co-laborer with you. And so me, what I'm involved in, the business I'm involved in right now is setting up dates. I'm a matchmaker. Dr. Love, if you like. No, no, no. You're getting carried away, church. I'm a pastor now. We can't joke like that. All right? We can't joke like that. I'm setting up dates. I'm just saying, man, you need to meet my God. That's all I'm doing. I, I know who can help you for where you're at right now. I, I know exactly where you're at because I kind of was there. Or I know a whole half a dozen people who were there. They were they're just as dysfunctional as you are. They were. But now I call them leaders in church and we're, we're doing great things for God. I just want to set you up on the date. Why don't you come to church? In fact, I was buying a shirt. I love shirts. and I was buying a shirt yesterday for the glory of God and to... Um, honor Jesus, amen. I was buying a shirt yesterday, and um, at, at the cashier, the guy was really friendly, and we started talking, and went to pay for it, and I said, man, you need to come hear me preach in this shirt tomorrow at the Bruce Mason Center. And he, and he looked at me, he said, nah. <laughs> I was just trying to set up a date. I was just trying to see, he said, he just looked at me, but he smiled, so I'd know that maybe something happened in his heart, no, or not, but I don't know. Look, the fact is, all I'm doing in my life is trying to set up a date. The rest is up to God. Amen? And it might take 20 years for some. It might take a meeting for others. But we're in the business of co-laboring with Christ as the church. And He's in the business of transforming lives. Amen? And we just help setting up dates. And sometimes a date is as simple as, hey, you should come hear this guy preach in a cool new shirt on Sunday at the Bruce Mason Center. It's actually this shirt. Who likes the shirt of the pastor this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. It's money well spent. I've got a couple of, I want to describe the, the church in two ways to you this morning. And it, I, I want to take, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading a fair bit of stuff at the moment and just starting for a bit of series on the church at the moment. And I want to set it up this morning in the time I have left, and talking and describing the church in two ways to you. The first is the church is missional. I want to describe that. The church is missional. The church on mission, see, it just means that we've got a purpose, that we're trying to achieve something that we've got a picture or we've been given a picture of, of, of what to aim for or 
where to go, where to head, and we're moving in that direction. The church is missional. We're on a mission. The church on mission cannot ignore needs and hoard blessings. The church of God cannot ignore needs and hoard blessings. We're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? God will reveal needs to us. God will give us the ability to be a blessing. He will make us a blessing. You and your new nature are an incredible blessing to this earth. Because you now are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the church cannot ignore needs. The missional church cannot ignore needs and hoard blessings. See, the the church is mission conscious. We're constantly, as a group of people, we're constantly big picture minded. So every now and again, in, in the busyness of life, we lift our heads and we think, okay, what's this all about? What really matters? So every now and again, through the day, periodically, through the week, through the month, through the year, we stop and we take stock and we say, are we still on course? Because the church is missional. The body of Christ, the movement of people is mission-minded. And so we stop and we take stock. See, because the church is not meeting, it's moving. The church is, is not a meeting, it's a movement. This, if, if, if we call this meeting the church, we fall grossly short of what God has intended for us. We're not just defined by who comes in, we're defined by who's going out on mission. So getting people in is, is a small part of the equation. Sending people out. Jesus said, just as you sent me, Lord, I send them. We're actually defined by being sent as well as coming to him. So in some way, your life has to, be, has to reflect that sending, that going, that mission. Somebody with me this morning. So we're not just a meeting. The, the early church met and they broke bread and they fellowshiped and they cared for one another and they loved each other and they sold homes so that they could provide for each other and they were sacrificial. They met and they met on purpose. But that is, a, is one part of what the church is. The church is a movement. Amen. They grew, they expanded because they had a missional mindset. See, in this, in the meeting, we're blessed, we're refreshed, we're challenged, we're equipped in the meeting. But we are those things in the meeting to be sent out, to go out. Is that a right, church? We're, we're, we're in, we're, we're, those things happen for us in the meeting to... Those things happen to Sarah Calvert in the meeting so that she can go out and run a program in Onihanga and that God can send His grace and His favor with her. So she would, become, she would come refreshed in church, equipped in church, blessed in church. 
so that she can go out and start a program and reach young people that others may not be able to. Can you see how we're a movement, not a meeting? Somebody with me this morning? You see, the church has to let the world know that we don't just want from them. We don't want from them as much as we want for them. You see, because there's a huge idea out there that the church wants from you. But the truth is, and how the Bible describes the church, is that we want something for you. We want wholeness for you. We want completeness. We want security. We want love. We want, it. We want you to experience those things. The church is not a taking. See, God supplies all our needs. Amen? I know that even though I'm a pastor of this church and, I, and I, I'm in the job of this church, you don't supply my needs. God supplies my needs. And so I go out and I say, God, you're my provider. I know that we're not wanting from you. We're wanting for you. And that keeps us healthy and on mission and right, co-laborers with Christ. That's the church. Amen, church? That's you. That's the church. And the second way I want to describe you today is just this. The church is missional. Because the church is missional, the church has margin. I'll explain this. Because the church is missional, the church has margin. I want to explain this to you. I want to take you through a number of scriptures that um, show you this morning how the Bible teaches us to live with margin in our lives. See, because living on mission requires of you time, resource, requires you to sacrifice. And I know you're willing to do that. But if you don't live with margin in your life, you it'll be very difficult for you to live on mission. And I'll, I'll explain myself to you in a moment. Clever churches anticipate spontaneity and realize it's critical to be adaptable and responsive. Clever churches, you're a clever church. You're welcome. See, because culture is constantly moving and God is all the time sovereign. And for those reasons, I believe that the church needs to anticipate spontaneity. And it, that, that may be as practical as one week we're at the AMI Nepal Center and the next week we're at the Bruce Mason Center. Maybe for the rest of our lives we'll be in different venues. And, and maybe... As, as practical or as spiritual even as you, you really thought that this was where God wanted you, this direction, you were going to be here the rest of your life. And going in this direction for the rest of your life. But remember, God is all the time sovereign. And He, he may not be the one changing direction. You may have got, I don't know what the equation might be in that circumstance. But it's healthy to remember, while on mission, 
it's good to have a sense of spontaneity. Be responsive to God. Adaptable. That's a healthy church. That's a clever church. Amen? That's a healthy, clever church. See, when the church is a meeting, we, we come to get away from the world and to purify ourselves and to distinguish ourselves when the church is just a meeting. We, we, we come to the church to meet, to get away, to be refreshed, for God to speak. But you see, when, when we have the mindset of mission and the mindset of movement, we come together to meet, to be all those things, equipped, refreshed, refired, um, for God to speak to us, to bless us, so that we can go out and move the culture that we live in, to move amongst the people, to set up dates. Amen? We can't stop in our mindsets in, in seeing the church as a meeting. We don't come to church to meet. We are the church. Amen? Is somebody with me this morning? But now margin. You see, people living at the edge of capacity all the time have no room or little room for challenge. Challenge that could make them breaks them. No room for generosity. No space to embrace opportunity because there's no margin. You know, um, everybody went to school at some point in your life. Very good. Praise the Lord. And um, saw no hands up, but I'm believing by faith that we all went to school. And on your little blind paper at school, blue lines, but there was a thin orange line that marked the margin. And no matter how much you, you filled the, the other space, and for me it was never very much. It was more, school was more a conceptual thing, it was more a spiritual thing. I just engaged with my heart. And so no matter how much you filled the big blank side there, at the end of the day there was still extra left in the margin. And then the thing is, and I mean, simple, crude analogy, but, but, the, but the thing is, in, in your own life, friend, you can't always be living at the, the extent of your capacity in the areas of your finance, your energy, your emotional output. Because, remember, clever churches anticipate spontaneity. They realize how critical it is to be adaptable, responsive. I've come, I've come at the times, so Monday, generally we have a day off, right? And I've come to realizing I've got to keep some reserve for a Monday. Because God works seven days. It's like, God, this is my day off. And I started to realize I need reserve even for Monday. Because our, a, clever, a clever church, I'm a church. You and I are the church. And so this clever church thinks, I need reserve. So if somebody turns up or God opens opportunity or there's an opportunity to be generous, I need to have some reserve to be a part of that work of God. Remember, we're co-laborers with Christ. And I'd hate to think that the master builder is looking around for, for people to be involved in a certain work and we're maxed out. Sorry, God, it's my day off. Left it all in the field on Sunday. Can't give any more Monday. 
You with me, church? You with me here? Margin in your days. Psalms chapter 90 and verse 12. Is my Bible loose? Is my Bible lady? Psalms chapter 90 and verse 12. While you're turning there. And it simply says this. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, the, the church is not just a clever church. It's a church that functions in wisdom. And wisdom dictates that we live with margin in our lives. Teach us to number our days so that we don't have people coming to the latter part of their days and they're spent. Nothing more to give emotionally, physically. Nothing more to give um, spiritually. Teach us to number our days. Lord, I'm going to be around on this earth a while. Or I anticipate being around on this earth a while. Teach us to number our days. So that every one of our days can be used on mission. Is somebody with me this morning? Teach us to number our days. Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 15 to 17, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17 says, So be careful how you live. There's got to be margin in your days. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Come on, friend, you've got to understand today, we need margin. The missional church needs to be, it needs to have margin. Amen? Very good. We need to have margin in our days, in our lives. We need to have margin in our finances, in our resources. Luke chapter 16. When you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. As I bring this message to a close, Matt, why don't you help me preach, brother? Luke chapter 16, verse 9. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 16, verse 9 reads like this. Here's the lesson, Jesus says. He just painted a picture by way of a parable. He says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others. And make friends. Then with your earthly then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, what's the topic here? Resource. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, now this is where it gets incredible. Who will trust you with true, the true riches of heaven? Now this wisdom that's required with our earthly resources directly correlates to what's in heaven. Has an effect, has an impact in what's stored up in heaven for us. You know, well, one of the things I, I was praying this week about this whole idea, and, 
And I just felt the Lord's, the Lord's Spirit just inspire me to think this thought. I think people will be surprised when they get to heaven and realize how much they could have stored up. How much they could have prepared for themselves in heaven. And, I, and that to me was, I feel the Holy Spirit just really doing something in my heart. But I think people will be surprised when you realize how much you've could, you could have prepared for yourself in heaven, stored up, the Bible says, in heaven. It's not just about scraping there, man. We live with margin. We live with space around us. Verse um, 12 says, And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be entrusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Friend, I, th I think that the church is incredibly missional, entirely missional. We're here on purpose. God has us here on purpose. We're here, I, and the way I articulate it for myself is, I'm here to set up dates between God and man. And friend, I, I, I want to give my life to that because I, I, I'd love it when people come to a relationship with them. It's one of the greatest blessings I, I can be a part of. But I know in, that, in, in order to do that effectively over my whole life, I've got to have margin. The Bible challenges me, inspires me, encourages me to be wise with my days live with margin and I today want to challenge and provoke you and tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life you may not realize the extent of that but the fact remains he does and friend it's our responsibility to respond to that and say God teach me to number my days that I may have wisdom God I want to live with margin in my whole life, so I can serve you over all my life. Somebody with me here this morning. Come on, that's the church. That's what inspired me when I first came to know Jesus. I thought, wow, so this is where I can outwork my passion for you. This is where I can serve you and show the world how much I love you. In the church. And by loving each other. And the Bible says they'll know you by your love for one another. And so the church has this incredible opportunity to reflect the love and the grace and the mercy of the Father. But friend, I, I find a lot of people unable to even love one another in the church. Because there's no margin. We get to certain days where I just can't do it. Certain times of your life where you just think, actually, I can't be a part of that. Friend, I, I pray that you, you wouldn't would never get to that stage because now you're saying, God, teach me to number my days. You, you, you're big picture minded. You, you lift your head every now and again. You think, okay, what's this all about? What really matters? What's really important? Why don't you bow your ears and close your eyes this morning? Bring this message to a close. Father, I teach us to number our days.
Father, we want to live for you. Lord, while you have us here on this earth by grace, we, we, we don't want to miss an opportunity to serve you and, and bring you glory. Father, while you have us on this earth by your mercy, Father, we want to, we want to do you proud. Lord, we want to bless your heart by setting up as much as many dates as possible. Father, we want, to be, we want to be part of the journey of, of, of those who have, will journey 20 years, 30 years. We want to be part of that. Lord, we want to be part of those, those instant responses as well. Father, use our lives. And teach us to number our days. Father, give us wisdom to manage our finances. Lord, for those right now, just at the, at the extent of themselves and Financially, there's just no margin. God, by your grace, help us. By your grace, help us. So that, Father, we can we can be generous like you're inspiring us in this moment. Help us, God. Help us, God. Just in this moment, let's talk to God. Just in this moment, speak to your God. This morning, I just want to ask one last question before I close this meeting. You and I know that this morning can be a date for many people in this place. In this moment, God's turned up on purpose because whether you realize it entirely or not, you need God to help you in this season of your life and every season. See, friend, he doesn't just ask to be a partner in your life, but he asks to be the Lord of your life. Which means in a moment like this, on a date like this with Jesus Christ, you confess him as Lord of your life. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says you will be saved. You see, the, the thing is that sin separates us from God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But sin separates us from the presence of God. And the truth is, friend, while it may be momentarily on the, in this life, it threatens to separate us for eternity, forever, from God. And on this date this morning, friend, I'm, I, I'm not asking whether you call yourself a Christian. Or I'm asking, how is your rela- relationship with Jesus Christ? This morning, do you need to say, God, while you're here in this room, I realize the importance of having you as Lord of my life. You taking control and taking the reins. I want to live for you. I want to be a part of the church moving. Friend, if that's you this morning, you know you need to make a response to Jesus Christ. All we need to do is, I, I, I want to pray for you but in this meeting. I'm not, I want to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you, while every eye is closed, every head is bowed, and every person thinking about themselves, let me just raise your hand where you are. I'll see it and I'll get you to put it down. 
And at the end of this meeting, you and I, we're going to pray together. Believe that God will come in and be the Lord of your life. So if that's you this morning, why don't you just raise your hand? Just looking from left to right, front to back, just with all my heart, I'm, I'm believing that you'll have the courage to make a response to Jesus Christ this morning. So if that's you, friend, why don't you just raise your hand where you are? Jesus Christ. Father, I want to thank you again for this morning. Lord, when I think about your church, it inspires me to, to, to just renew my commitment to you. Father, I want to be a part of it. I want, I want to be a co-laborer with Christ. Lord, I want, to, I want to make my life available to you. I want to avail my resources, my, my, my wisdom, my thinking, my emotions. I want to avail it to you, God, so that, Father, you can use it to to turn many to you, God, so that, Father, we can reach as many as possible while there is still time. And so, God, I pray today that there will be the the prayer of Generations Church, that this movement of people, Lord God, would, would give themselves, avail themselves to you entirely, not just as a partner, but as a Lord of our lives, that you can ask for it, God, and we will give it. Father, our lives are yours. Lord, our futures are yours. Our today is yours. We want to set up as many dates as possible. Lord, for the glory of your name and the extension of your kingdom, God, let it be that today you come through and you cut through all unbelief and doubt, all frustration and limitation. And Lord, help us gain margin so that we can live for you all of our days. In Jesus' name, and with a hearty amen, we say, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise you, God. Yes, Lord. Fantastic. Wow, man, I'm looking forward to preaching about the church over the coming weeks. Remember, next week we have Pastor Bruce Monk. Bring a friend. But come on, live with margin this week. Plan to live with margin so that we can continue to be this church for the North Shore. Amen? Very good. Bless your church and... There's a treat on the way out and some free water. You're welcome.